0: Father, we just pray for a stilling, a stilling of hearts today because, Father, we want to really hear what you have to say to us through your word. And so, Father, may our hearts be still, may our spiritual eyes and ears be open to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So if you want to open up your Bibles, you can open them up to Genesis chapter 12 and also Acts chapter 7 if you're using an electronic device, you can't do that any longer. So, na 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 But if you've got an old school Bible, then then you'll be able to... Uh, the church... Be- I just wanted to start today by saying, technically, uh, the church began in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I don't know if you're familiar with that, where God makes this promise that the seed of the woman, and he's talking about Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent, and he's meaning the devil. But the roots of our faith really go back to a man who heard the call of God and received the promise of God. And his name was Abram, which means exalted father. And God, in time, changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now, you've probably heard of the shortest person in the Bible. It's called Bildad the Shuhite have you heard of him, the shortest person in the Bible, Bildad the Shuhite, and then the second shortest person in the Bible, do you not get it, no, the second shortest person in the Bible is Nehemiah, yeah, but the cleverest person in the Bible was Abraham, because he knew a lot, he knew a lot, okay, that was rubbish, and, you know, it's impossible to preach on the whole life of Abraham in one message. Just no way we're going to do that. But I've got half an hour to try and kind of cover my points today. And so I encourage you to read about the life of Abraham. Start in Genesis chapter 12, read through to Genesis chapter 25. Fourteen chapters to cover a life of a man who lived to the age of 175 yeah that's a bit of a challenge and even preaching on those 14 chapters in one message that's an even bigger challenge but I want to begin with a question and this is the question what is your life all about what's your life all about and I'm looking around the congregation today and I'm asking what's your life all about some of you look as if you don't know what it's all about yet that's okay you might ask the question in a different way. Why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What is my life all about? And then we could ask another question on top of that. Why are we here as a church? Why does this church exist? Why 42 years ago did Heart Hill Pentecostal Church plant a church in Whitburn that's still here 42 years later and doing all sorts of mad and crazy things? And we could make up all sorts of reasons, and we could arrive at reasons for ourselves. It could be, why am I here? Well, I'm here to get rich. I'm here to be famous. So many people just want to be rich and famous these days. You'll look get that and what? Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know, John. Rather than something that's uh, possibly uh, more what's the word I'm looking for? It's not in my notes. That's why I'm trying to find it. I don't know what the word is. (coughs) Oh, that's a good word. I don't know what it means, though. (laughs) We can tell you what that one means later. Maybe to become a designer or a doctor or an engineer or an artist or a nurse or a people helper or a researcher or a teacher or a you name it, the list is endless. Can I just say, I just felt as I was preparing today, thinking about all the different things that we do, don't knock your work life. Don't knock what you do in your work. God has given you a job, and he's given you that job for a reason, and he's given you a job in order that you can outwork his purposes in that place and be a witness to the people who are around you. Don't knock your work. Why am I saying that? Because we've just had Christmas holidays, and then we think back to the other holiday we had, and the other holiday we had, and the other all the times we had off. And we we look back and we think, wasn't that a great time when we were off and we weren't working? Don't knock your work. It'll come to an end at some point. Hey, Trevor. (laughs) Trevor has just retired at Christmas time. But don't knock your work. Don't knock the opportunity that God has given you. What is your life all about? Maybe what you do in your day-to-day is tied up in that. And this is what we see in Abram's life. Abram lived at a time where there was no Mosaic law, the law of Moses. It didn't exist. There was no Israel, no Bible, and there was not such a thing as a Christian. And that's not to say that the people who were Abram's contemporaries had no laws or no understanding of God. Do you know that Abraham traces his lineage back through his father Terah to a man called Shem? Shem was the son or one of the three sons of Noah. So, Abram goes all the way back to Noah and beyond that news before Christmas, haven't we? About It's where we get the term Semitic, which we've heard a lot about in the news before Christmas, haven't we? About anti-Semitism. Well, it goes back to this man called Shem, who was the son of Noah. And down through that family line, if you trace it all the way through, that's what brings us to Jesus ultimately. So he traces his family line back. And did you know this? Did you know that Noah was still alive when Abram was born. Did you know that? So when Abram was a man, and perhaps even as old a man as I am, he could still have had a conversation with Noah, a face-to-face, a man-to-man chat. I think that's incredible. If you look at the numbers in the Bible, do you know such and such begat such and such, and they lived to a hundred and whatever, and such and such begat so. See if you actually stop and look at that. It's really, really interesting, and there's so much in it. Anyway, I'm getting off the notes. Sorry, back to the plot. Acts chapter 7, we're going to go into that. Abram lived in a place called Ur with his father, and Stephen begins to, in his address to the leaders of his time, give us insight into this. If we read from verse 2, it says, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Haran. And he said to to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Do you know, I had never noticed this in the book of Acts until I was doing preparation for this message. God doesn't say go. He says, come, come to the land that I will show you. God was already there and he was inviting Abram to come. And here's the thing, what is your life all about? If God has given you promises, the promises aren't to go somewhere he's not. The promise, promises are to come to where he is and he wants you to be. What God has spoken your, over your life, he's saying, come. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And it's at this point in time we open up our Bibles to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 12 going to read from verse 1 through to verse 4. And the first thing that we read about in here is the call of God in Abram's life. Now, the Lord had said, past tense, to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Part 2, the covenant. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then what follows after, the third thing that we see, is the chain of events. There's the call, the covenant, and the chain of events. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That picture that I had this morning of an arm which looked quite feeble and maybe has some relevance to this. Abram was 75 when he left Haran. He began his journeys at 70, and then he went on. What's your life all about? Remember, that's the question. And we find the answer in the living Word of God to us. Do you know there are two words in the New Testament, Greek words, which describe the Word of God? The first one is logos, and I meant to bring my paper Bible out. Has somebody got a paper Bible I could borrow for two seconds? Barbara, thank you. A paper Bible. Glad to see that's well used, Barbara. I'm just inspecting, so. And do you know that in other cultures and religions they regard this as though they would regard their holy book as something that is actually holy and they would never dare put it down on the floor the very words of god recorded for us in the bible the logos the word of god the completed word of god i better give this back to you because you need to be able to look that up and read it Mhm. yes the Logos, the living Word of God. Then there's another word, which is rhema. And it's a word that carries with it the very breath of God. When we were praying up here, you might have felt the breath as I was praying when we were doing our group hug thing. (laughs) The thing which you need comes and speaks into your situation, the thing which you need to hear At that point in time and he can take what's in the logos the written word and bring it alive and put his breath into it and he speaks into our lives and this has been how i have experienced most often the way that god speaks to me when it says the word said here the the hebrew word that's used is similar in meaning to rhema and we can know the logos we can know the word of god the Bible, and we can understand it, and that's good and necessary. But in the Logos, we need to hear the rhema. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to be close enough to feel God's breath on our face as He's speaking to us. God, through the Spirit, takes the Word and applies it with specific meaning for our lives. And often, often there's a timing in God when He speaks, and He says something, and it's just at the right time. He gives us gifts such as prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of tongues, which we heard in operation this morning, the interpretation of tongues, which we heard this morning. And God wants to speak to us. God is more willing to speak sometimes than we are to listen. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples. Logos and Rhema combined is the first one. And I'll take you back to a time back in the early days of my life when I was on the move from Mitsubishi. Notice I was on the move. It's when we're on the move that God speaks to us. Sometimes when God has spoken to us and we're just kind of sitting and we're saying to God, well, impress me, do something. I'm waiting on you. Maybe God has already said something to us and he's expecting us to be on the move with that word, And I think that's what he's saying to us as a church. You need to be momentum, Steve. You need to be on the move with that word. Think about this. I was on the move from Mitsubishi into Crusaders, which is a Christian youth organization now named Urban Saints. And God was speaking the rhema to me from the Logos. I was reading the Bible in my devotions. And it was a time of uncertainty in Mitsubishi. There was... A man who came over to the UK from Japan, he went to a factory in Fife, which made computers, and he closed it down. Then he moved from there to a factory in Haddington, which made TVs, and he closed it down. Three guesses what happened next. He moved to Livingston, to our factory. And you're like, hmm, I can relate to Daniel without writing being on the wall. (laughs) So there was uncertainty. And there were things happening that were out with my control, and I needed to hear what God was saying. And this is where He spoke from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It was a time of financial uncertainty, to some degree, insecurity going from what I perceived to have been a safe job, because electronics was the big thing when I was coming out of college, taking a a small drop in salary, and also moving into a three-year contract. This was new territory for me. Wow, I don't know if I feel entirely comfortable with this, Lord. But God had said, and he repeated this word probably about four times from memory, in devotions and through other means but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you what he was saying was don't worry about the other stuff what's god saying to you these days what's god saying to you today what do you need to hear from god today an example of god taking the logos and breathing life into it. And there's a timing in that as well. One of the important things is our daily devotions. If we're in God's word and doing our daily devotions, we're gonna hear what God is saying to us as he takes the, the logos and breathes life into it. If we're not doing our daily devotions, we'll be going, hey, what? <laughs> I can't hear anything. Well, no wonder you can't hear anything, you know, listen. Let me give you another example of Rhema. Five years later, I was on the move again. What was I doing? I was on the move. Momentum, hey, back to momentum. I was coming out of crusaders and into the role of being assistant pastor here in the church. And I had a fairly clear inclination that this was the direction that God was leading me, but there were some things that I was wrestling with and I needed God to seal these issues in my heart. And I needed the Rhema Word of God before I took that move. And in about that time, we went back to Assemblies of God Conference. This is an Assemblies of God church. We call it AOG for short. And we went as a family to Assemblies of God Conference down in North Wales. And I was praying like mad for God to give me the Rhema, that word that carried his breath. We pitched up, we arrived in our little shalley thing on the Monday. We went to the the things during the day, the meeting at night, praying, praying, praying nothing. Tuesday came, and Tuesday went nothing. weddings they came, weddings they went, nothing. Thursday came, and i 'm like, Lord, if you don 't speak to me i 'll know this isn 't the right thing for me i 'm just it's just indigestion right and so Thursday came, praying, 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 praying. Thursday came, we had tea, still nothing. The last meeting on the Thursday night. Praying, 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 praying. Lord, I I think this is the right thing, but I just need that word from you. And Paul Weaver, who was the leader of Assemblies of God at the time, he was doing the address that night, and he stood up and he began to speak. And as he began to speak, I'm kind of leaning in listening for the rhema and he said something which caught my attention and he said as I was praying today and I'm like oh oh, here it comes (laughs) as I was because there's one thing doing our devotions and reading but we need to be talking to God and listening to God as well as I was praying today he said I feel that the Lord told me that there would be young people I was young back in those days there would be young people in the meeting that night whom God would call, and they would lead in a different way from those who had went before them. God spoke into my one objection to me fulfilling this role, and He confirmed it. Those words carried with them the very breath of God. And that night, before Paul had even finished speaking, I was up out of my seat, and I was on my way down to the front, and He was. He'd, he was still finishing making his appeal, and I was standing there waiting on him finishing. Why? Not because I was responding to what a person said, but because I was responding to the rhema, the breath of God, the words of God that he had for me at that precise point in time. I'm like, could you not made it Monday? <laughs> I would have enjoyed the conference better. No, no, no. I'm going to make you sweat. I'm going to make you hang on. I'm going to make you wait until the last chap. And he did. And I, I just, I'll never forget it. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that man can't live by bread alone. Have you noticed when you begin to fast how many adverts for food are on the television? <laughs> have, have you ever noticed that? And, and how that wee bowl of sweeties that's sitting in the living room, you, oh, I can't even touch them now. Have you ever noticed that? It's funny, eh? Man can't live by bread alone, but by every word, every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. We read that in Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4, and they, and Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Abram needed that word, and we need that word. This church needs that word, the rhema word of God. And we have to be reminded of the Word at times. You know, sometimes we're in the middle of difficulties, hardships, even grief and loss. And we can lose sight of what God has said to us. The promises that He has spoken over your life, over my life. We can lose sight of the promises. But God is gracious and He comes to us again. It's like waves coming up a beach. It's like it comes up and you go... The presence of god the word of god i've got it i've got it i've got it and then the wave goes back out again you were like did i really get that and then the wave comes in again you're like oh i i've got it i've got it i've got it and sometimes god has to repeat himself quite a few times for some of us to really get hold of what he's saying i'm talking to myself and you i'm a good company then. <laughs> now by this point in time abram has obeyed the first word of god to go He's now arrived in Canaan, and we need to understand that there's a big massive gap between Genesis 12:1 and Genesis 12:7, because it says in Genesis 12:7, "Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land." And there He built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And here we begin to see the unfolding of God's plan. Abraham, or Abram, as he was at the time, went without knowing all the details of where he was going and what was going to happen. He simply responded to the rhema word of God. He didn't have all the answers. And yet, as he goes, God begins to open it up to him. To your descendants, I will give this land. And this is a plan that far exceeded anything that Abram could ever have imagined, even in his wildest dreams. It's all about, and this is the key, it's all about a people and a place. A people and a place. God's promise to Abraham was about land and it was about offspring. People and place. Land and offspring. Particularly a son as the son would inherit the promises of God. The promise not the promises of God. The son would inherit the riches of his father. And for us today, the message is very clear, and it's still the same. It's about a land and a people. That's what God is saying to us today. It's about a land and a people. What land? Well, at this point in time, this church building is situated in Whitburn, and there's a land that surrounds us. We've prayed over this ground, those who are old enough, Keith, no disrespect, <laughs> you will remember praying over this land before this building was built. Yes? Yeah? You don't remember that? I thought you would. Okay. A land that has been set aside, but also the land that surrounds us as a church. Houses, businesses, people, all sorts of things that surround us. It's about a land and it's about a people. It's about a people that God wants to to reach. As we move on in this story, there's something significant as we come to Genesis chapter 13. Um, yeah, Genesis chapter 13. See, Abram was no ordinary character. He was a, a wealthy man for his day and obviously a great leader of men. Genesis 13 too says that Abram Abraham was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. You see, the place where he had been staying, Haran, lay on a trade route, and it was a good place for doing business. And I get the impression that Abram was good at doing business. You remember later on in the story where lots in Sodom, they're going to destroy Sodom, and he's like pleading with God, you know, if there's 50 people, will you save it for 50 people? Yeah, I'll save it for, if there's 45, we, and he, he, he's bargaining with God until he gets to Anyway, Abram was a man who bargained. He was a wealthy man. And at one point in time, he has to go off and rescue his nephew lot. And he takes with him, listen to this, 318 men trained in his household. When he goes off to fight this king to rescue his nephew, it takes 318 people who have been trained in his household. We think of Abraham and his wee tent. Abraham was not in a wee tent. Abraham had 318 men. Shepherds, wives. Well, one wife at that point in time. Later on he had more, but that's another story. And it says here that they became so wealthy, lot as well, he was blessed too, that they came to a place where they had to part company because their herdsmen began to fight with each other. Not that that ever happens in church. We never fight with each other in church, don't we not? Never, never, never in church. We don't fight with each other. We don't fight with each other in our families, you know? okay maybe you don't <laughs> we don't really fight we just have a wee bit of barmy sometimes there comes to a place where Abraham and Lot are fighting or their, their men are fighting over the same grazing and they you know they have to s- separate and, and, and part company and Abram says to Lot I tell you what you have a look around and you choose the place that you want to go to and I'll go the other direction and here's the thing Lot, his nephew, he looks out and he sees the green pastures over to the east. Lot looks through the eyes of flesh, the human eyes, but I think he also looks with eyes of flesh in terms of the the old nature type eyes. And he sees, and maybe there's an element of greed in Lot as well. He says, well, I want to pick the best bit for myself. Do you remember me talking about that thing that we do in our house when we have a Mars bar? Yeah, do you remember me talking about that? So it'll be like, I have you choose. Do you remember? Josh, you remember? You remember. No, you don't. You don't? He does. (laughs) The whole thing about I have you choose, Abraham said, just you choose, and I'll take what's left. I'll go the other way. And Lot saw with his eyes. He saw with the flesh, and he said, I want the good stuff over there. My goodness. Oh, I have no time. I'm only on page four. I've got another five to go. Sorry. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter thirteen, verse ten through eleven. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of the Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. As you go towards Zoar, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other and then the lord said to abram listen to this verse 14 after lot had separated from him god said this to him lift your eyes and look from the place where you are northward southward eastward and westward for all the land which you see i give to you and your descendants forever all the land And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise and walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. You see, Lot saw with the eyes of the flesh, even Not just the physical eyes, the eyes that we have inside. It's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want more for me, 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 me. Lot saw with the eyes of flesh. But Abram, Abram looked out, and he saw with eyes of faith. And if faith is ever to inherit the promises of God, there needs to be a partner of faith and flesh. Our flesh, our old nature, the things which we desire, can't come with us into the promises of God. We read about that in Genesis, uh, sorry, in Exodus about the children of Israel and how there was a whole generation were wiped out in the desert. God said, you're not going to enter that land. Even to Moses, who was leading the people, he said, you can't enter the land. There needs to be a parting of our old nature, the greed, the selfishness, the flesh, and our faith life, which is what God is trying to breathe into us through the rhema. You see, only faith receives the promises of God. Flesh incurs the judgment of God. Only faith sees a future in God. Flesh sees itself, the gratification of the moment. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 say? It says that we walk by faith and not by sight we walk by faith and not by sight. The way you live your life, are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Are you looking at your circumstances that surround you and going, woe is me. What's happening here? Looking at the circumstances, looking at the mountain that stands in front of you, and you're saying, I'm sunk. Or do you look at it through the eyes of of faith. You see, if we're looking through the eyes of flesh, all we'll see is the problems. If we're looking through the eyes of faith, we'll see a God who is able to provide for every situation, who knows the the problems, every situation inside out, He knows. But we can't live in both camps at the same time. We can't be looking through the eyes of flesh and through the eyes of faith. And I want to challenge us to begin to look at your life through the eyes of faith, to begin to look at the life of this church through the eyes of faith, to begin to walk through the promises that God has made, to walk through the land with eyes of faith. You see, only faith walks through the promises of God. Only faith walks into the promised land. What does the flesh do? What did Lot do? It says that Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. He had moved away from Lot, but not only had he moved to this green pasture, his tent was pitched towards Sodom. As we go on to read in Genesis, we find out that Lot eventually arrives in Sodom, and Lot gets caught up in the the politics and the culture of Sodom. And some of the things that we read in Genesis about that account are just utterly horrific as we read about how he has been affected by this. Faith receives faith sees, faith walks through, and faith inherits. I don't know if you've got the picture here, but there's a process that God wants us to enter into, and it's a process where faith is developed. That's what God was saying to us at the tail end of last year. We need to allow faith to rise. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible To please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's why we gather for prayer. To diligently seek him. And I've kind of run out of time. Really. But then we could talk about God's covenant. How many more minutes to have? (laughs) Not not many i'm just looking around (laughs) There's 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 a mixed response here so um have an evening service good good point and and then i'll do the last three pages (sighs) god makes a covenant with abram and it's a strange and wonderful passage genesis chapter 15 it really is a strange and wonderful passage Remember I talked about the process? Sometimes when we pray to God and we enter into the process, we think it's all going to happen just like that. We pray and there's the answer. Bing. But it's not like that. At 75, Abram leaves Haran. At 86, 11 years later, Ishmael is born. That's another story. Abram makes a mistake. At 99, he receives the covenant of circumcision. 24 years later, 100, Isaac is born. 25 years later, 137, Sarah dies. 62 years later, 175. 30, 38 years after Sarah dies, Abraham dies. And 100 years have passed since he heard the voice of God calling him. I'm going to finish. 100 years have passed since he heard the voice of God calling them to come to a land that I will show you. God's already there. Have you heard the word of God? Have you heard the word of God for your life? Are you stepping out in faith into that? Are you willing to walk by faith and not by sight? It's very easy to respond in a service and stand up or put your hand up or come to the front and say, yep, that's me, I'm gonna do that. But the secret is when it comes to Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Where we'll gather for prayer in here to worship God. It's fantastic on Wednesday. It's really great. You missed it if you weren't here. <laughs> We're going to gather again to pray. This is where the rubber hits the road. Uh, the rubber hits the road in what we decide to put in our diaries. For me, it's this one here, right? January. It's what I put in here that determines what happens in my life. That's what I, it's what I decide to invest my time into. That's why the groups are off just now, so that we can come together to pray and to begin to walk out the promises of God. It's about walking out the things which God has said. We do that initially through prayer, to walk out the promises of God and to actually spend time in His presence, listen to what He wants to say to us. I'll finish this message at another point in time.